so we're in the series criticizing Christianity. We've been, we've been criticizing Christianity now for the past four weeks. And, and week one, we talked about the Bible. How can we trust the Bible? How do we know that this is reliable? How do, like this, this thing that, that we have, this, it's really a library of books. This, this, this book or library we call the, how do we know that this really is trustworthy? And so we talked about, about that. And then, and then we looked at um, this question. Uh, how can there be only one way to God? I mean, that seems arrogant to say like, hey, there's one way, listen, there's one way to God and I got it. <laughs> I mean, that just, that, just, that just reeks of like pride, right? So like, how can you possibly say that? And we talked about that, uh, was that three-ish weeks ago? I, I, I think it's three. And then, and then we looked at two weeks ago, we looked at uh, this, this, uh, this critique. Well, hey, listen, I'm a person of science and, and we all know this science has already disproved faith and religion and especially Christianity. Like we've already, we already know the jury's out. We got it. Science, the verdict's in and, and, and science wins. So why do you guys still have faith? Why do you still believe in like these fairy tales? And we talked about that two weeks ago. All right. How do we, how do we reconcile this, this supposed uh, dichotomy or issue, this fight of science versus faith? And so we talked about that. And then last week, um, uh, I was out of town uh, at a, a lacrosse tournament with my son and Pastor Andy preached and he talked about, he answered this question this, or this critique. Um, how come bad things happen to good people? Like, how could God allow anything like bad to happen to people? Like how, why is there suffering in the world and so much of it? And, and last week we addressed that. This morning we're addressing another one and this one uh, of, of all the critiques, this one is probably gonna feel the most personal for you. It's going to sting the most. As soon as we talk, as soon as we bring up the topic, you're going to, you're going to know and go, okay, here we go. Some of you are going to leave. No, you're not. I'm, you, we've locked the doors. You can't. Um, here it is. Ready? I don't want to be a Christian because Christians are just so judgmental. Oh, right. And mass exodus. Here we go. And, 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 and like, I don't know if you've ever heard that critique or someone, people have said that like, hey, listen, even if that's the case, like, man, why would I want to become one of you when, you, when the, the you are so judgmental? This is easily one of the dominant views of, of Christianity today that Christians are judgmental. And, and if you have non-Christian friends or coworkers or neighbors and, and you've asked them like, hey, give me some words to describe what, like Christianity to you. What, what do you think it means, right? Just tell me. Uh, they'll, they'll probably say like, no, nah, maybe this isn't a, such a good idea. If we want to stay friends, how about I not tell you what I think about you? <laughs> and, and if you were to, honestly, I want to know, just lay it on me. Guaranteed, one of the things that will come up is judgmental. Like Christians are judgmental. It's, our, it's our, part of our reputation. It's our rap. Good or bad, right or wrong, it's what we got. Um, there's a study done by Barna a number of years ago now. They, they studied um, people between the ages of, uh, of 16 and 29. So like the next generation, millennials and, and younger. And, and, and like, okay, what do, what do, specifically, what do they think about Christianity and faith? And here's, what, here's one of the things that they found in this study, that nearly 90% of those who responded, they said that their opinion of Christians were that they were, you guessed it, judgmental. Almost 90%, nine out of 10 said 
oh, when we think of Christianity and faith and Christians, one of the things that comes to mind is judgmental. That's not a little bit. That is the next generation, nine out of 10 of the next generation looking at Christians and saying, I don't wanna be like that. They're so judgmental. Now, here's the deal. Of all the criticisms that we've talked about, all the critiques, all the questions about Christianity, this one, it might just be accurate, right? It might just be true. So we're gonna do a little exercise here uh, with the person next to you. I want you to rate them on a scale of one to 10, how well they've dressed. Ready, go. What do you think? Judge them real hard right now. No, don't, please don't, please don't. If you started, stop. Don't do it, don't do it. Especially if you know them and like them, don't do it. You've already done it anyways. Just keep it private, just keep it silent. Listen, here's the thing, here's the thing. We joke, but if I allowed you to really judge someone, you're like, okay, give me a pen and paper. I'll tell you everything I need to know. I, we, are, we are really good, really good at judging. It doesn't mean our judgments are right, but we're good at trying. We're really good at trying. Personally, I've been practicing for decades of judgment, right? And you have too. However old you are, you've been, you've been doing this for quite some time. One of the reasons we're often seen, and this is true, and, and I, I, you know, I, I said this last service, I'll say it here. I'm, I'm, I'm probably gonna step on like all 10 of your toes this morning. So just get, just get them out there, ready for me to step on. Um, but one of the reasons that we're, we're d- described as being judgmental, one of, the, one of the reasons we're so often like seen as being judgmental and like people, like that's our reputation is because, ready for this? We are judgmental. We are, you are. And I know you are because I am. Uh, David Kinnaman, he wrote a book called Unchristian, what a new generation really thinks about Christianity and why it matters. And, and in it, um, he talks about, um, uh, he has a whole section on judgmentalism because it's such a big topic in, in, like, in the perspective of non-Christians towards Christians. And, and, uh, and in it, he, he talks about four areas, four, four ways, areas that Christians fall into judgmentalism. So uh, to save you from having to read the book, here we go. I'll I'll just share. Um, Here's what he says. The first one is that we often get the wrong verdict. We often get the wrong judgment. We're we're wrong. We actually, we judge, but we do it. We're wrong. We often come up with the wrong conclusions about people. We make judgments about people all the time. And so often we're wrong. And you know this, you've done this and, 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 and like, and it's, but it, even when we're wrong, it doesn't stop us from trying the next time. And this happens in all kinds of areas and, and, and it's different for everyone. Listen, it's different how we judge is for everyone. Some of us, and some of us generational, I totally understand that, but none of us are immune to judgment. Some of us, we, I'll just give you some examples, right? Some of us, like when for you, like what like kind of sets off the judgment thing is when you see someone covered in tattoos. You're like, oh, for some of us, it's like, no big deal. I, I, that's cool. Tell me about them. Like I personally, personally, I love talking to people. Like I'll gravitate to people with tattoos because I'm like, tell me about this. Like this is personal. What does this mean? And I want to, I want to like, ha, like I want to have a conversation about it. But so for some of us, like, whoa, that's, you've, you've crossed the line. Or you'll say this, uh, um, you know what? Um, hey, I'm, I'm fine with, with tattoos. Uh, you know, that's fine. I don't want to get one. Um, I'm fine with tattoos, but not for my kids. If my kid gets a tattoo, 
wait a minute, that's a problem. Now, we're not talking about right, wrong, tattoos, sin, not sin. We can have that discussion. The, the point is this, whether, regardless of what you believe, man, we're good at judging. We're good at judging an entire person based on how they look. Here's another area that we're, we're, we, we have a terrible history with. The LGBT community. Our involvement, our, our interaction, and our, the love and grace that we have for that community, man, we, uh, we certainly don't look and sound and interact with them how Jesus does and would. We have, we have, a, bad, we have, a, bad, we have a bad history with this issue in particular. Even talking about it right now makes us a little uncomfortable and you're like, ooh, all right. Like if we were to show pictures or footage of, of uh, you know, of, of a, a pride parade, like it would make us, uh, some of us uneasy because instantly our judgment goes up and we're like, I know everything I need to know. I know everything I need to know about this person. We get the wrong verdict. Here's the second one. Sometimes we get the right verdict, but it's the wrong timing. We can say something that is actually a true statement, but we can do so at the wrong time and it's, we become incredibly insensitive and judgmental. I'll give you an example. Someone that maybe is, um, is really struggling and going through a really difficult time or struggling with a, a particular issue or sin and, and is like at their wits end, at their bottom and it's just sort of like, man, and here's what they need. They just need someone to come alongside and love on them and, and have grace and, and, uh, and to be there for them. And when that person says, well, you know what, what you're doing is sin and God's gonna judge you. You say, okay, well, yes. Sin is sin and God judges sin. But really, right now, that's what you think is the, 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 the proper approach is to condemn when they need grace. We can say things that, that are true statements, even theologically. But man, we get the timing wrong and we become insensitive and, and judgmental. Here's the third one he brings up, wrong motivation. Specifically, uh, if you remember the woman caught in adultery in uh, John chapter eight, um, and, and the way the passage goes is that they, they this is, in, we read in between the lines here because it says they caught, they caught her in the act of adultery, which is like, okay. Like, if you play that out in your mind, like, how did that happen, right? <laughs> like, and they pull her out and they're like, all right, Jesus, it's clear, we got her. All right, what do we do? Here's the law says, what do we do? Their motivation, their motivation was punishment, judgment, right? Accusation, we gotta get it right. Listen, she did wrong. The law says we gotta do it. Their motivation was punishment. Jesus shows up and he says, all right, yeah, I don't even think she denies it, right? I'll, all right, here's the deal. All right, anyone, anyone, any of you, anyone without sin, go ahead and throw the first one. Go ahead and throw the first stone. All right, I'll wait. And it says that he bends down to like draw on the sand. It's the only time we see that he like writes something down. And, and, and it says that, that they started dropping their rocks, the oldest first, because they're like, oh, I got some sin. <laughs> and, and so they let, drop their rock and eventually no one's there. And, and Jesus says, hey, is anyone here? And he said, no, they've all left. And, 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 and he says, well, listen, then no one, no, one, no one condemns you, then neither do I. He say, and he's, he speaks truth, but in grace. And he says, now go and sin no more. But his motivation was not punishment. His motivation was grace. We often say this, 
I've heard this. I try not to say it because I just don't like it, but this is a, a common phrase in Christianity, but we say, but we don't do well. We say, hate the sin, but love the sinner. Yes, yes. Except we're terrible at it. Instead, what we're, what often what we do is hate the sin and the sinner who commits the sin. That's what we're good at. Not realizing, man, our motivation really should be about grace. And instead what we do, man, we just, we just, we're so good at judgment. And then here's the fourth, he, he brings up, he says, we, we're, uh, the area we fall into judgment is when we show favoritism. And favoritism has no place in the kingdom of God, yet it seems to find a way to creep in and it still kind of shows up. And we, we play favorites, even within, especially within the church. We treat people differently based on how they act or how they looked. And, and what we're really doing is we're casting judgment. I'm, I um, have a, a, a guy I got to know when I was in seminary and um, my wife and I lived in a, an apartment down in LA. And um, uh, this was a number of, oh man, how long is this? This is like a couple, wow, is this, this is decades ago, shoot. Um, do you guys ever do that? And when you realize like, you're like, oh, just a few years ago. And you're like, that was 19 years ago. And you're like, wow, I am older. Like, that's crazy. Um, so a number of years ago, all right, uh, I'm in seminary and I, and I um, get to know, and when we're staying at a, a, an apartment, my wife and I, we just got married and, and we're paying, uh, I remember this, the one bedroom apartment, we like no dishwasher, like, you know, I, this is our dishwasher. And, and, uh, and I remember, this is crazy. We paid more, you know, X, you know, two decades ago, we paid more for that apartment rent than we do for our mortgage today. That's, that's just crazy to me. So we're down there just living life, just doing it. And I remember getting to know a guy who, um, who was, uh, he's tatted up and I'm like, awesome, man. Hey, tell me, okay. And tell me about your life. And I'm, you know, to see around. And, and um, it turns out he's, a, he's not just a Christian, but like I, he works at the school I'm going to. That I'm going, you know, I went to Biola and then now I'm, you know, in seminary, he's at Talbot, same, you know, same campus. And, and this guy works there and he works in the custodial. And I'm like, dude, I've never met you. Like, wow, that's, that's so cool. And, and, uh, and he shares me about his past and he's, you know, older than me in his, you know, upper twenties. And, and he tells me about his life and all this stuff. And, and, um, and, uh, and I go, dude, that, that's so cool. And he's taking classes kind of on the side just to, you know, further his, his, uh, his understanding of theology and, and working at the school. He goes, yeah, but I don't have many friends. I'm like, what? He goes, well, I, you know, I still have struggles and stuff. And he goes, you know, one of the things that gets me in trouble at work is I smoke. I'm like, oh, it's like, I don't, I don't know if you know that. I go, I noticed, yeah, I saw you smoking on the side, whatever. And he goes, man, I, I think I am like treated like the worst possible person because I smoke. He goes, what you don't know is like, here's all this other stuff I've given up. Like I've gotten past, I got, you know, I don't drink anymore or, you know, like, like ladies and partying. Like I've given up so much stuff and I, but I'm still, I have this one thing that I'm like, this, I just can't, this thing has got me. And I'm, you know, I want to quit, but I just, I just, I just, I, it's hard. It's hard. I can't do it yet. And I'm like, man, dude, I, I don't know. Like, and, he, and he says like, people judge me for it. And I, you know, whatever. And I'm like, dude, I'm, in, I'm so encouraged by you. Like you've, you've quit more struggles than I've had. Like, you, like you've, 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 you're done with more things than I've ever had to deal with. Like you've overcome so much more than me. Who am I to think that I'm somehow better? That's crazy. 
And I remember, I remember him just, just almost like coming to terms with, I just know I'll be treated differently because I have tattoos and I smoke and I'm seen a certain way. And I'm like, I, I told him, I go, dude, your theology is better than a lot of my classmates. He's like, well, thank you for that. But you know, how I look is how I look. I'm like, dude, I, I don't mind it, man. You and I, we, we can talk anytime, anytime you want to chat, man. We are good at playing favorites. And as a church, if you don't look the right way, say the right thing, act the right way, well, maybe just sit on the other side of the pews, right? Like just over there. So what does the Bible say about judgmentalism? Because here's the thing, you do it. Listen, I, 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 as, much as, as much as we talk about grace and forgiveness, and we do and we should, and as much as we are gracious and forgiving, and we are, we are also very judgmental, right? I mean, you are, you, listen, you are really good at looking at someone and saying, I know everything I need to know. Got it, got it all. You find out how someone votes. I know everything I need to know about you. Everything, right? You're in, and I know how terrible you are. I mean, we find out a little bit of information about someone and we have them sized up. We are good at judging. So what does the Bible say? Let's look at this. We're gonna look at what Jesus says. We're gonna look at what his brother says. And then we're gonna look at what Paul says. Jesus, the most famous passage now about judgmentalism and judging. He says this, Matthew chapter seven. This is a, this is a verse that, that like your non-Christian you know, friends or family, they will know this verse. They don't know it's in Matthew. They don't know the, the reference, but they, they can quote you this verse. Here's what Jesus says. Do not judge or you too will be judged. They don't know the rest. They don't know what comes after. They don't know what comes before, but they know that one. Don't judge or you too will be judged. I mean, people get this tattooed on them. I had a buddy, I remember in high school, as soon as he graduated, he got you know, real big on his bicep. Uh, only God can judge me. And I'm like, well, yes, that's true. And, and I wouldn't boast about that. Like, <laughs> like that's gonna happen. Yes, we are gonna like, all right. But the whole point was like, you, don't judge me. Don't judge me. Only God gets to judge me. Jesus says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. That, listen, if we, if we really believe this, that is a scary verse. Jesus says, hey, listen, don't judge because you're gonna be judged too. Now, in the same way you judge others, that's what you're gonna get, right? The same measuring stick that you use for other people, that's the measuring stick you'll get. So just make sure you, you really have it figured out. Make sure you really know that you really do want to judge based on this thing because it's coming. And then he goes on and says this. And he gives this illustration and it's a famous illustration that is just ridiculous. It's so ridiculous. Why? He says, why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How, how can you say to your brother, let, this, let me take this speck out of your own eye. All this is great. When all the time there's a plank in your own eye. He, like, he gives us this reference, this illustration that for us, we're like, Oh my. For us, it's like, it makes sense. Like we know about, oh, the, you know, the, the plank and the sawdust. But for them hearing it, Jesus is like, all right, listen, you got your, your, your neighbors, he's got some sawdust in his eye. All right, you want to help take it out. Meanwhile, you have a, a beam. He's like, you got a two by four, a plank. 
And you're like, excuse me, excuse me, pardon me, watch out, let me, let me get that sawdust. And he's like, what are you doing? That doesn't even make sense. Instead, first, take this thing, take your own stuff, deal with your stuff before you even try to attempt to deal with someone else's. And he says this, you, you hypocrite. First, take the plank out of your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Now, now let's be clear. What Jesus is teaching isn't what he seems to be like at the surface level saying. What I often hear is like Jesus says, don't judge ever. See, he said it. Do not judge or you too will be judged. But is that really what he's saying? Because what he's saying is, no, no, listen, when you judge, just make sure you do, you have wise judgments because you too are gonna be judged in the same way. In fact, we know he's not talking about not making judgments because Jesus told us to make judgment calls. Not to be judgmental, but to make judgments. A few verses later in the same chapter, he's gonna say, uh, he's gonna say this, this famous, another famous uh, uh, illustration is don't cast your pearls before swine. Now we can talk about this in another sermon, what that means, but here's what he's saying, ready? You have to identify who the swine are. You gotta make a judgment call. Which people are swine and which people aren't? You gotta judge, at least to a degree. A few, a few verses later, he talks about the, uh, the wide gate and the wide path, which leads to destruction, and then the narrow gate and this narrow path that leads to life. And here's what he's saying, you gotta judge which one is right. There's, there actually is a wrong way to do life and there actually is a right way to do life. And he's saying, you, listen, pick the right way. You gotta make judgments. You gotta be able to, to know what's right and what's wrong and, and, and the way, and like what Jesus has said, you gotta make a judgment call. And then he's gonna, he goes on, same chapter, all the same chapter about judgment. He goes on to say, be careful. He says, be on the lookout for false teachers because they are wolves in sheep's clothing. Do you know what you have to do to discover a false teacher? You gotta make judgment calls. You gotta be able to decide, is this a wolf that looks like and feels like and sounds like a sheep? Or is this a sheep? I don't wanna judge, I don't, who am I to judge? And Jesus says, no, you have to. You gotta be on the lookout because they are dangerous. He tells us there are times where you make judgment calls. What he's bringing up and instead what he's, what he's talking about like against is hypocritical judgment being judgmental. He says, oh, no, 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 stop. This plank versus speck. Like, listen, if you're gonna judge someone, make sure you're not guilty of it. You better make sure you aren't guilty of the same thing or something even worse. So Jesus says, the safe bet, Jesus tells us is, hey, just don't be judgmental. How about that? The safe bet, don't judge, don't judge. And then we see this, James, the brother of Jesus, he also talks about judgment. James chapter four, he says this, brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. He's talking to Christians, fellow Christians. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. And when you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. I know better. And then he says this, there is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, he says, this is great. Who are you to judge your neighbor? 
James, the brother of Jesus who becomes a Christian probably right after the crucifixion and the resurrection, at some point between that and Pentecost, he becomes a Christian and then he's leading the church in Jerusalem and he writes this letter and he writes down specifically about judgment and he says, don't slander anyone, don't speak degradingly or ill of someone and don't judge because guess what? There's one judge and that real judge, he can save and destroy. Can you, can you save or destroy anyone? He says, so you, who are you to judge your neighbor? There's one judge and he is not you. (laughs) Finally, let's look at what Paul says. Paul gives us yet another reason not to judge. In Romans chapter two, he says this, you therefore, you have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For at whatever point you judge another, you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment, you do the same thing things. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, well, like what I could say to all of you. I look, I don't, I don't know all of you. I know a lot of you and got to know, gotten to know a lot of you and, and, uh, and, you know, not everyone, but I can say this is true of everyone. Ready for this? Okay, listen, ready? I need you to look at me right now. Okay. Here's what I know about you, whether I know you or not. Here's what I know. You are terrible. (laughs) You're a terrible person. And here's how I know that, right? Because you sin. And I know you're selfish. And I know that you're judgmental. I know you're hypercritical. And I know those things about you because that's true of me. <laughs> and, and I know you're just like me. I'm terrible and judgmental and hypocritical at times. And like, I get it. I, and here's what, here's what Paul is saying. You condemn and you judge other people. And he says, but you do the same kind of things. Man, I'm sinful too. He goes on to say this. Now we know that that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. God's judgment absolutely is based on truth. So when you, he says, a mere man, pass judgment on them and yet do the same things, do you think you will escape God's judgment? Do you think that you can judge people and then yet do the same kinds of things and that somehow you, you escape any kind of judgment from the true judge, the right judge, the good judge? And then he says this, or do you show contempt? Do you literally, you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness leads you towards repentance. He says this, don't don't you listen, do you just sort of neglect and kind of brush off the fact that God is kind and tolerant and patient towards you, and that his kindness has a goal, and that goal is to lead you to repentance? Do you just, do you just write off the whole thing that, like, God is so kind to you, and he tolerates you, and the word tolerance today has so much baggage to it, but it doesn't mean, like, everyone is right. Tolerance means, uh, like, even when someone is wrong, we still allow them to be wrong. We interact with them, but we don't, like, it doesn't, it, like, we don't judge them for it or condemn them. We just say, all right, listen, God, God, God this, is, this is good news. God tolerates us. That in our terribleness, he's like, hey, listen, I still love you. I to- hey, listen. I'm- and it is kindness and his patience. All of it is to lead us to repentance. So if God acts towards us, the right good, the only good judge whose judgments are true, and if his, his response to us is, I'm gonna respond in kindness towards you. I'm gonna tolerate all of your just, just silliness and sinfulness and craziness. I'm gonna t- and I'm going to be patient with you. 
all of it to lead you to repentance? Listen, if that's how God interacts with us, should we not do the same with those around us? Wouldn't it make sense for us to say, you know what, the right response then for those around us, instead of being judgmental, all right, I wanna be kind and, and, and tolerant in the, in the sense of biblical tolerance. And I wanna be patient with those around me, not judgmental, hoping that that too will lead them to repentance and faith in God. Oh man. But you and I, here's the deal. You and I, we have a struggle. Even though, even though we know this, even though, even though when we talk about like judgment and judgmentalism, even before the sermon began, when, as soon as you hear the topic, you're like, all right, I know how this is gonna go. <laughs> even though we know it's wrong and we don't wanna, we don't want no one to judge us, we still have a problem, ready? We're still judgmental. <laughs> we still do it. And, and here's the thing. Um, I've, I, uh, I had uh, dinner with a guy a number just a little bit ago, but um, he was going through some family stuff and not a Christian at all and left the faith a long time ago and is very, very anti-faith um, and religion and outspoken against it. But, you know, we get to know each other and we talk sports. And so I'm like, hey, let's go out to dinner. And, and, uh, and one of the things he brings up is, so how do you deal with, and the, he like brings up people that are Christians that like, are super judgmental. And he says, how do you deal with, and particularly names a few like outspoken, you know, guys into politics and, and, um, and, you know, on the national stage, guys that you know, that are, you know, world famous. And he says, they say crazy stuff about a lot of stuff. And he goes, how do you feel that like, he's one of yours? Like that's your, that's, that's a player on your team. I'm like, man, you're right. And I go, here's the thing. I don't like it just as much as you, but you're right. I got to deal with it. He's on my team. He's on my team, not your team. And he's like, man, Christian, like, he goes, no offense. Like, I, you know, I, like, I think maybe you're different, but like, gosh, Chris, I, I found Christians to be so judgmental. And even this guy, even politics. And, and I said, hold on. And I, he's, he's, you know, we kind of a buddy, so I can be a little more honest than I would just, you know, a perfect stranger. And I said, hey, can we be honest for a second? Ready for this? It's true, we're judgmental. It's true. Fully acknowledge it. But isn't everyone? Like, aren't you judgmental? Well, what do you mean? <laughs> like, well, well, I might be judgmental, but you don't get a pass on this. In fact, you calling me judgmental sounds a little judgmental. <laughs> and it was one of those like, oh man, yeah, I guess I haven't thought about that. Like, like listen, we're... We're all, like, the judgmental, like, mess is on all of us. And so it isn't like Christians are only ones who are judgmental. We all are. We're the ones who just should know better. <laughs> like, we have a reason not to be. So we all are judgmental, and here's the, and we're good at it. So, um, so in, in his book, um, Unchristian, that David Kinnaman, he, he also writes uh, that they surveyed this, uh, the same group of non-Christians and, and said, like, how would you want to be treated by Christians? Like, what kind of interactions, like how would you, what encouragement advice would you give Christians on how to interact with people just like you? That's a, that's a great question, right? It's kind of a reverse, like tell us like how we should treat you instead of like us telling you how you should act, tell us. So here's where they get these six things. Here they are, he says, and they're all super easy. The things that we're like, yeah, of course this makes sense, but like, let's do it. Number one, listen more, talk less. Wow. We're, first of all, as a pastor, I, 
I talk a lot. <laughs> uh, listen more and talk less. He's like, just listen. You guys always have something to say. And, and here's, here's how, how most of us listen. We're waiting for them to take a breath so we can say that zinger. We got that thing. We know what we got to say. And we're like, as soon as you come up for air, I'm going in. And, and like, you're not listening. Listen more, talk less. Uh, they also said, don't label. Listen, don't label us just because we have one, you heard one thing about us. And so now we're, this must be true of all of us. This now defines us. Don't label us. Just like, just like you don't want to be labeled, just like you, you, you don't want to be labeled as judgmental, hypocritical, like all of the, those Christians out there. You don't want to be labeled in that same label. I hope not at least. So they don't want to be labeled with all of the, the things that are out there. Number three, he says, don't pretend to have all the answers. Oh, this is such good advice, you guys. If you don't have the answer, don't make it up. Don't pretend. If you don't have any answer, here's a, this is a great response. I've had this. I've had to share like, you know what? I, that, I, that's a great question. I, I, I need some time to think about it. I really don't know. I really don't know. Hey man, thanks for being honest. Like, I appreciate it. Like, I'll tell you what, let me, let me think about it and look into it. And then I, can I get back to you? Yeah, that'd be great. I just started a conversation with them because I said, I don't know the answer. We don't, you don't have to have the answer all the time. Trust me, you do not. Number four, Be genuine. Be real, be a real person, not a caricature or like some, like you think you have to be like, this is, this is the kind of person I have to be like because I'm a Christian, I gotta be this. No, 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 listen, ready? Here, this is maybe the best advice you can get this morning. Ready? You just be you. How about that? You're the only one God has made just like you. Don't be like someone else. Just you be you. You be, how God has made you. Like be real and honest and genuine. I, I, I try to, I hope to at least, to try to be genuine. Like if you and I were to go out to coffee and be like, hey, I just want to get to know you. You'd probably be like, hey, you're the same guy in the coffee shop as like on stage, like kind of goofy. And like, you know, like just trying to figure, like, yeah, that's, yeah. Just be genuine. Uh, number five, he says, be a true friend. Not with an agenda, not with like a, hey, I'll, I'm gonna get to know you but only so that you can maybe one day come to church, so that you can become a Christian. My goal is you become a Christian. Now, that may be, like that's our goal for everyone. But are you only friends with people so long as they might be, become a Christian? Or are you friends with people just to be friends with people? I have a number of guys that I'm friends with and, and we do stuff that, and we're friends because we do stuff together and we like the same stuff. And whether they come to church or not, like I invite them to church, but whether they come or not so far, you know, a number of them have declined. And, and like, it, like it's, it's not like that. My, our relationship is not dependent on that. Our relationship is dependent on our softball league. <laughs> we are we get heavy in a softball and we're like, we're in, we're, we, we go hard, you know, 40 plus, 50 plus year old guys, as hard as you can go in softball. Um, here's like, la like last year, this is how hard, this is how personally how hard I go or just how fragile I am. I broke my wrist playing softball. It's crazy, right? Right? You wanna know how I broke my wrist? It's terrible. I was, I hit the ball, which is great, right? Rounded first, I'm like, I'm making it a second. I slid. That's it. I slid in a second and broke my wrist. That was it, right? And I was safe, but they called me out. Like insult to injury. <laughs> like, here's the thing. I'll play again this year. And even if I break, because like I'm with guys, I'm just, we're, we just, we're friends. Regardless of like what we can get out of each other, we're friends. 
Here's the last one. And this, this is the last of the six. Um, he says, put yourself in their place. Ask yourself this question. How would you want to be treated? Reverse your roles. You, you become the non-Christian and they are the Christian. How would you want them to treat you? What would you want them to, to say? How would you want them to respond to you? How would you want them to interact? How, how would you want to be judged if you were them? Oh man, whatever that answer is, however you respond, whatever you would want them, how they, you would want them to treat you, that sounds like your marching orders, all right? I'd wanna be just treated with grace and kindness and, and with respect and, you know, honest, but like, you know, I'd want them to be friends. Guess what? There's your list of stuff to do. That's how you should be. So what's the medicine for judgmentalism? What's the cure? There is a cure. The medicine you take, here it is, ready? The cure for judgmentalism that you and I need to take regularly is to remind myself of my need for a savior. This is the gospel. To remind yourself of your need for the gospel. Um, there was a guy who used to attend here. Um, his name is Larry, and, and uh, they've since moved um, uh, to the East Coast to be a family and stuff. And, and, uh, and he was a pastor for years and years, a pastor for longer than I've been alive. And, and I remember going out to coffee with him and having conversations, and he would regularly bring up, not me bring it up, he would bring up, man, I'm just, I'm just reminded of my need for the gospel more now than ever in my life. Like, man, you're like, 60 plus, 70, like you've been a pastor, like you're at the end, like you've done, like you've run the race well. And he's like, oh no, no, I just, I realize I need the gospel. I need to remind myself, oh wait, I need, I need the gospel. I need to remind myself, I need a savior. As much as everyone else needs a savior, I need him. This is the gospel. Romans 5, 8 says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what is the gospel? What is this good news? And how does, this, how does that help cure our judgmentalism? Here it is, ready? The gospel. You were made and created for a reason. You were created by God with the ability and the intention to know God. You were created for a relationship with him. From the beginning, people were made to know him. But there's a problem. We've already established this. You're terrible. <laughs> you aren't good enough. You aren't good enough. And you, you are what the Bible calls a sinner. And, and you do what the Bible calls sin. Where you, you actively choose wrong and, and, and sinful things. And, that, and it's so much more than just like, like the argument usually about sin becomes like, okay, well, you tell me what the sins are and, I'll, and what aren't, and like we can debate over, is that a sin? Is that, are you saying I'm sinful? Are you saying this? No, 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 listen. Sin is so much more than just like the activities you do. Sin, sin has corrupted us. Sin has affected every area of our life, emotionally, relationally, socially, spiritually. Like it has been corrupted and affected by sin. Your sin, just sin. Like it has, it has created a barrier between us that we we cannot be in God's presence because, because of God's perfect justice. He can't allow anything sinful in his presence. This creates a problem. But at the same time this problem starts, God already sets up a plan, a plan to solve this very problem. God creates us to know him. 
we mess it up, we sin, and he says, all right, now I gotta fix it too. I gotta create them, and then they ruin it, and now I gotta fix it. And this God decides, I'm gonna become one of them. And he shows us how to live and how to treat others, and then he bridges the gap between us and him. God himself would satisfy his own need for justice by taking the wrath that we deserve, by paying the price of sin that, that we couldn't pay. He would die on a Roman cross and become the sacrifice needed for all of us to be forgiven of our sin. And, and not, the, not the kind of forgiveness where we, where, we, where we feel better about ourselves that, hey, I just need to forgive my past and what I've done. And, and there are times for that and we should. And, and you hold on to maybe guilt and shame and you need to work through that. And we, I need to forgive myself. That's not what we're talking about. What we're talking about is actual, real forgiveness of your sin from God himself. Where he says, I, your sin, I see no more. It's covered. When I look at you, I see my son. And the same, the same Jesus would rise from the dead, proving that he is who he says he is and that he did indeed conquer death and sin and says that I now have authority. And so here's, my, here's what I want, ready? Here's the goal. Here's the, the, all you have to do. You wanna be a, in a relationship with God. You wanna understand. You wanna be forgiven. Here's, ready? Here it is, ready? I need you to believe in me, to follow me. Place your faith in me. Okay, what else? Did that? No, no, no. That's it. What do you mean? That's too easy. I know. It's going to cost you a lot. It's going to cost you your life. It's not hard. It's not complicated. There's a cost associated to it. And, and, and now, now you live for me, but, but that's all you got to do. We see in Romans chapter 10, Paul writes this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. But wait, it doesn't talk about like church attendance. How often do I have to attend church or how much do I do? No, 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 none of that. Believe in your heart, declare with your mouth and you will be saved. For it is with your heart you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you confessed your faith and are saved. Saved from the bondage and the enslavement of sin and set free into forgiveness, to real forgiveness and freedom. And he offers that to everyone. And as exclusive as Christianity may have, like the rap it may have, it really is an offer open to anyone. All judgment aside, because not one of us, not one of us are perfect. Not one of us are, are not in need of a savior. We all need a savior to forgive us. That is the gospel. Uh, I read this last week too from a... Um, a guy named Rick McKinley, who was the pastor of Imago Day in, in Portland. And, uh, um, and, and he said this. He said, it always amazes me that when people believe and they understand the gospel and they put their faith in Jesus who did all the work for them, that the result is somehow arrogance. That somehow you think you deserved it. Somehow you think you're better than everyone else simply because like, like you're forgiven. Like you, listen, you, I, we, we, I, I hope we all really understand this. You didn't earn any kind of favor with God. You didn't earn, it's not because you're great. It's because you realize I am sinful and God is great and he has forgiven me. So when we treat other people, when we look at other people, why do we instantly go to judgment? Instead say, yeah, man, I, 
No judgment, no judgment. We're all sinful. I've just come to the realization and I'm, 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 praying, I'm praying for my friends that they do too. I, I said this with someone in the lobby. We had a good conversation last service and, and, uh, and we, what we realized was, um, has anyone come to faith by being judged? Have we judged anyone into Christianity? Hey, listen, I'm judging you so hard. You wanna be a Christian? Ha, yeah, that sounds awesome. But, but people are, they are coming to faith through kindness and love and genuine relationship and being open and being there and being an honest, like a real friend. Oh man, they'll come to know Jesus, the real Jesus when they see him in you, not, not because of judgment. So the cure for judgmentalism is to remind myself continually, for you to remind yourself continually of your need for a savior. It doesn't end. When you choose to place your faith in Jesus, all of a sudden now I, I got him. No, no, no. Listen, you need Jesus today just as much as you did decades ago when you first started. Make it your goal. I hope make it your goal like it is mine. One of my goals in life is to help rehabilitate the term Christian. That when people hear I'm a Christian, that, that what comes to mind isn't like judgment and hypocritical and holier than thou, but rather like, oh man, like, there's at least one. I don't know about everyone else, but there's at least one who actually believes this and tries to live it out and is a, a genuine guy and really does like want to be friend and kind. And even though I don't agree with her, like I can't, I can't say he's a bad dude for it. He's not judging me. All right. If there's at least one, I, I hope there's more in this church. I hope there's at least two. Can I get two? Can I get one more? I hope we all strive to say, you know what? My goal is not to be more judgmental, but to say, God is the judge and I'll leave it to him. And so me, my job is to love people, to be kind, to be patient with them. Would you do this? Would you stand with me? And then we're gonna, we're gonna pray and then worship the Lord together. So would you do this? Would you bow and let's pray? So before we pray, um, I, I recognize that for some of us, this may be the first time you've ever really heard the gospel. And you've never had an opportunity or at least a, a decision, a moment where you said, I wanna place my faith in Jesus. All right, I wanna do this. I want to believe, I want to be a part, I want to experience the grace and goodness and forgiveness that comes with him. If that's you, it's just me looking around. I just wanna know who I'm praying for and with. Would you just slip your hand up? I wanna be, I wanna, I wanna see you and, and pray for you. Yeah, yeah, I see that right there. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Yeah, that's great. All right, so for those of you who have uh, your hand up and, and you're saying, I want in it, or you didn't raise your hand, but you're still saying, I wanna put my faith in Jesus. You can do so right now. You confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And so we're gonna talk to God and you can do it right where you're at. You can both believe and tell him right now, just silently where you are, you can pray. You can pray something like this. God, I admit I am a sinner. I'm far from perfect. And I admit I need forgiveness. And I believe, Jesus, you died on the cross to forgive me. I believe that you rose again to conquer death, to know me. And I commit my life to you, to becoming more like you, to following 
you. Holy Spirit, will you come into my life and change me? Now, others of us, before we, uh, before we worship the Lord, others of us, uh, you've done that. You've made a decision. You've placed your faith in Jesus maybe years ago, maybe decades ago. But for you, you really do struggle with judging and judgmentalism. And I want to pray for you. So if that's you and you're saying, man, I'm, I've, I've realized now this morning, I realized just how judgmental I am. And, and I, all right, God, I want you to work on this. If that's you, I want to pray for you. Would you just slip your hand up and I'll, I'm going to um, look around and see what I'm praying for. Yeah, 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 quite a bit. So Lord, I pray for those who are saying, yeah, I struggle with judging and and judgmentalism, and, and, and those of us that are in here that, that, that we know, we know we deal with it, all of us. God, will you work in our heart to make us more like you, to make us, uh, make us people who are kind, who are tolerant of people and their sin even, and who are patient with them. May we be a, seen as people who are gracious and loving, not judgmental. Work on our heart, Lord. Take the, help us take the plank out of our own eye before we even think about looking at the, the speck in another. We love you, Lord. We worship you and we thank you, Jesus. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen. Let's worship.